What's up, everyone? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, bringing you the weekend as only the greatest people in radio entertainment podcasting history can do. This is Corey DLG, and with me as always, little brother Nico. That's me. We're going a little more broad, are we? Yeah, I figure, you know what, let's just insert all the adjectives. Fair enough. We finally made it, boys. We're no longer the third favorite show on the third weekend of every month. (laughs) Uh, It is a wonderful, wonderful weekend coming up. It's going to be another 115 degrees, but don't worry. A little bit of shade left on the sun that we can all huddle under and... um, I was going to say something political there. We'll leave it alone. Um, but yeah, so uh, how you been, buddy? I've been doing really well. This really well? Yeah. Okay, that's, that is a, a highly confident statement from the wallflower. I, I'm now desperately intrigued. What, what, what makes it really well? Uh, mainly because I've been going on an absolute tear in the One Piece card game. <laughs> okay, so you played your tournament last night. I'm guessing you won. Uh, did not win this one, but I have. Oh. I'm on like I took a turn week three in a row of getting like third place. Okay, all right. You know, Danica Patrick was a consistent point getter in NASCAR. People didn't like it, but uh, that's just almost as good as winning. Right, and more importantly, now it's it's about the consistency. Now that I've done it several times, it's not just a fluke. Like the one, t- like the few times I have won. No, I get it. I agree. Like what you're saying is like you now are finding a deck that consistently. Uh, plays successfully, and you're and you're making good choice. I get it. I get it. Um. All right, we got a few things to talk about this week. I'll give you a menu. Okay, you ready? All right, I'm ready. Hit me with it. All right. Um, I deleted something from my phone in a fit of rage. Okay. Uh, the NFL is returning. All right. And it's the end of an era. Ooh. Let's go end of era. I always like starting with the ending. Let's go with that. Okay, Quentin Tarantino. I like it. Okay. Uh, So, it is officially the end of the Krakoa era of the X-Men. Oh, no. It is uh, the Hellfire Gala this year. Is already out on racks. You can buy it. You enjoy it. Um, in it, they name a new team of X-Men who are then immediately, I mean like the next page, murdered by Nimrod uh, as Orcus launches a surprise attack. Everything Orcus has been working for behind the scenes um, over the last like five years of this Krakoa era. Uh, four years, whatever it is, now has happened. This is the culmination of all that planning. And when it ends, thousands of mutants are dead. And the rest of the kind of scattered X-Men rebellion is just... uh, They're in tatters. It's bad. It's very bad. So we lost. We didn't win that war. Yeah, um, so they lay a lot of stuff down. So for those who don't know, Orcus was like this, like, take every evil group that's been in Marvel, Hydra, AIM, uh, Friends of Humanity, uh, all of them, and essentially Orcus picks up the remnants of those groups and gives them new purpose, which is when the X-Men announced the rise of the Krakoa state, and that mutants were now their own nationality. I mean, for lack of a better word, really. I mean, um, this was the counter to that. They said, okay, guys, the mutants are up to something, so we got to get involved. And every time the X-Men would do something great, it would be to the detriment of somebody, and that person would join Orcus and begin working on counter plans. So they made a lot of enemies, and now they've come to roost. All of them together at once. Uh, one of the first people they fought was a fauna-based group of botanists, these old women. They were kind of funny. It was sort of a funnier set of villains. But essentially, they could 
they had a greater understanding of, of fauna and botany than anyone else on the planet, and they could do different stuff with that. And Krakoa is just a living plant. So, or a sentient living plant, I guess I should say. So they uh, taught Orcus how to do different things like inject secondary uh, instructions in the drugs that the X-Men were making on Krakoa and giving out for free to the world. They also put in secondary instructions into the Krakoa gates. And essentially, during the Hellfire Gala, they activated all those protocols. So a bunch of people just, if you had ever taken uh, an X-Men drug in the Marvel Universe, like to do cure cancer or prolong your, or to cure your mental illness, prolong your life, blah, blah, blah. This triggered a psychotic episode. You went crazy and tried to kill everyone you love. Uh, you know, only good effects, good side effects. And Orcus was going to blame that on the X-Men. Like, oh, they distributed this. This was their plan all along. Um, also, they, like I said, they could reprogram the gates. And so they told Xavier that they had reprogrammed the gates to send everyone to Mars. In, everyone, so or- Orcus arrives on the on Krakoa, and they're like, you either send everyone to Mars and then destroy the gates so that they live on Mars forever. Or um, we're going to activate our hidden weapon in the medicine and, and ruin your good works. So Professor Xavier sends out like a psychic attack to the whole island, forcing everyone to go through the gates. Uh, most interesting enough, there's a group of people that he is psychically trained to be immune to his attacks. He's taught them how to defend themselves. It's called the Red Triangle Technique. And the Red Triangle's been around in, com- in the comic books for like 15 years. Like, they've talked about it for a while. Um, so, there's like 40 different characters on the island who resisted the attack. However, the bulk of them did not. Um, and so they willingly, or they psychically were forced to walk through the gates and when they did so, they did so to their death. Because Oof. gates were not sending them anywhere, they were simply just destroying them as they walked through. So that's good. Yeah. Um, so basically, whoever survived the incident is kind of <clears throat> well, for lack of a better word, we're kind of back to the, the old status quo of in a world that hates and fears them. Right, but now there's like 90% of them are dead. Yeah, so like there's like there's 40-ish mutants somewhere on the on the planet still, and that's about it. It's not good odds. It's not good math. Well, there's 40-ish mutants from Krakoa. The mutants on other, on other countries and stuff Oh, are now being rounded up and turned over to Orcus. And Orcus is either just dropping them off in Mars, which is in the middle of a massive civil war that they helped start, or they are doing terrible experiments on them in, like, a facility. That only goes well, I hear. Yeah. So the X-Men are, are... It is a brand new era now coming out of... This month in the X Men universe. So who's all alive? <laughs> it was. I mean, it, it's it's definitely a big change for sure. Well, I mean, like who who's who? What big names are left that we know of? Or is it just all the big name ones that are alive? And they just killed every C list mutant. Uh, it's a mix. It's so like um. On free comic book day, they they showed Cyclops as Captain Krakoa getting attacked and beaten by like this weird human terrorist with like biogenetic weapons or whatever. Um, it's revealed somewhere in this month's comics that he's still alive, but under um, he's the prisoner of Doctor Stasis. Doctor Stasis. So Mister Sinister is, has a diamond on his forehead. Okay, mm-hmm. they've. They've revealed during the Sins of Sinister stuff and through the Krakoa stuff that they're, Mr. Sinister is actually one of four separate through lines of Nathaniel Essex. Nathaniel Essex essentially 
was a geneticist in the 1800s. And when he realized what was going to happen, like with mutations and stuff, he created four concepts of himself to sort of look into the different possibilities. So Dr. Stasis is a human, like an immortal human of some kind, who's investigating mutations from the side of humanity. Whereas Mr. Sinister with the diamond on his head, Dr. Stasis has like a, uh, I want to say it's a spade on his, on his forehead. And then Mr. Sinister has the diamond and he's the, uh, he's the other way. He's the mutant side of mutations and all that. And then there's a girl with a heart on her head and she investigates magic as a possibility for like immortality and superpower and all that. And she's like Mrs. Sinister. And there was a fourth one, but one of the three killed him. Well, we don't need him anyways. Yeah. (coughs) So Dr. Stasis is a different evil version of Mr. Sinister. He has Cyclops under his uh, as his prisoner right now. Um, the Kingpin had after he lost in the he he became mayor of New York City and then he outlawed the superheroes. Then there was a big battle and it turned out he was a criminal again and got arrested and then he escaped. And one of the reasons he escaped is because his wife is Typhoid Mary. And then one of the reasons he married her is uh, they do seem to be genuinely in love. They don't write it necessarily that he's using her. They write it that he does love her, but she's a mutant. Uh, and so they use her mutant citizenship to get the two of them to Krakoa. And so they were at the Hellfire Gala. Good for and, you. I'm glad Wilson Fisk is such a Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so he helped save the X-Men. Mostly because they were trying to kill him. Um, so, like, he has set up, I guess, a bunch of places for Emma Frost and the X-Men to kind of smuggle through and get out of and all that. I don't know. Being a politician seems to be pretty helpful most days. Well, that and a criminal mastermind slash real estate mogul of New York. I mean... Also the fact that he's, like, nine foot tall for whatever reason. Nine foot and, like, a solid six fitty. Yeah. Nothing unintimidating. And then, like, in... Uh, I think it was called, like, Devil's Reign. I think is what it was called. Dark... Yeah, Devil's Reign, which was the, the little crossover event where he was the mayor of New York City. In it, his son is in it. And his son just, <laughs> just flat out is a normal-sized person. Like... <laughs> like it just doesn't like he's just huge for no reason Wilson Fist is just the biggest person on the planet matter of fact when Orcus is attacking he just straight palms a dude's head and, and like and kills him to save himself the guy's like get back human and he's like uh, who are you talking to and just squishes him <laughs> like are we sure he's not a mutant guy <laughs> this guy uh, I the way they the way Daredevil has talked they've talked about it before like in Daredevil and in other books is essentially he lives in the gym slash is a crime lord mogul politician blah 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 like you wouldn't have time for this thing right this guy maybe his superpower is time management <laughs> yeah I guess but essentially like, he's like if the mountain because you know the mountain was a giant person in real life too. They were like, yeah. if if the mountain w- was all of those things, yeah, his 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 skill has to be time management. There's no way, right? That's really what his power buys him time. They're like, sir, you gotta are you gonna are you, are you worried about this? He's like, honestly, right now I don't have time for reports. Yeah, I'm. I gotta get this. I gotta get this bench press up. Listen, if I don't keep 900 in the air six hours a day, I lose muscle. <laughs> like, jeez. <laughs> it was just, uh, I, I don't know. Like, the way, they've, the way that I've, they've kind of explained and broken him down over the last couple of years, I was like, wow, all right. Like, that was also one of my favorite parts of the very first uh, Spider-Verse movie. Was the fact that the kingpin was just a square man? Yeah, 
Like he's Everyone just else a is like normal looking, and he's drawn with these sharp angles, and he's giant. Right. He literally yeah. kills Spider Man by punching him into the ground. Yeah, just just slamming his giant fist into him over and over again. Spider Man, who soon survived everything, right? Who in the point, exact in the exact same movie gets punched by the Green Goblin, who is in that version a giant demon man. <laughs> yeah. At one point in the comic books, a train station and a train fall on Spider Man, and he power lifts them out of it. Yeah. Killed by a single guy punching him. Punching him in the chest. <laughs> Kills him instantly. I mean, it was like the second or third punch, but yeah. <laughs> he dies. dies. He's he strong. Does he does. There's no getting around. He does. He is murdered by the Kingpin's bare hands. Uh, and I don't mean grr. I mean naked. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the status quo of the new X-Men. The other big change is that... Uh, Kitty Pride. She's now the only person who can use the Krakoa gates. Remember, she always had a weird relationship with them. She couldn't use them, blah blah blah, because of her phasey nature. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I guess now because of her phasey nature, she's the only one who can use them. And so now she's like this. They basically show her go crazy, and she uses her like. It's three pages of her using her powers in the most brutal way possible. And then when she shows back up now, she looks all ninja decked out. She's got a sword. She's all blacked out, like, just in dark gear. Uh, so she's ready to go now. She is now the most dangerous X-Man, I, I think. is kind of they're, they're basically saying, like, she's not holding back now. Well, she's always, she's always had one of those powers where, like, if she were to lose it, she'd be terrifying because you can't touch her. Well, you can't touch her, and also the things like she does terrible things to these to these humans when she's fighting them. Granted, they're the bad guys, but it's like at one point she just takes two grenades, pulls the pin, slides them into these two guys' chests, and then just steps back. Uh, that would be terrifying for the two seconds you're still alive. Like, hey, where'd that grenade go? What'd you just do to me? Uh. This is not good. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, another guy, she, like, hip-tosses him into a dude running at her. But when she hip-tosses him, she leaves him phased until they cross paths, and then she unfazes him. Ugh. So now there's just two people existing in the same space in completely different directions. And, like, they make weird, like, choky noises as they slow die. This is awful. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not like she's a good hero. Yay! It's like they should not have made her. It's like if John Wick could phase. Yeah, it's not good. You don't want you don't want someone who can do that to you. Yeah. One guy tries to put a gun to her head, she just phases the gun into his forehead and then he just she just turns around and leaves him there. To slow die because that's how her power works. Like it doesn't even instantly kill you, which is probably the worst part. Yeah, no, that's yeah, exactly. Because like the guy just starts making weird like type noises. As like, now there's a solid gun in his brain. Right, like he's dying very fast, but he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, to just experience horrific, horrible things as his body just shuts down from it. Anyways, that's horrifying. Yeah. So, Kitty Pride, don't make her mad. I like like she's a character that kind of loses it in several timelines. Yeah, Age of Apocalypse, she's pretty terrifying, but like for a different reason, just because she's psychotic. In this one, she's like brutally efficient. She's like focused. Yeah. That's way worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it is kind of an interesting direction they're going to take it. Iceman is one of the, is one of the characters that Nimrod, like, seemingly kills there on Krakoa, but he has a book called Astonishing Iceman that also comes out this month, and, um... <laughs> you open it, he's just dead, that's the end of it. 
just want to do pages of everyone going like, we'll miss you, Bobby. Whoa. No, um, I guess there was an inhuman that he knew that he had a romance with called Romeo. And Romeo can like, I'm not totally clear on what his power is, but essentially he's a powerful psychic from the inhuman side. And Iceman is kind of a weird entity now. Like, his power levels are so off the charts that in Age of Apocalypse, they consider him immortal. Like, it doesn't matter what you do to him, he survives it. Excuse me. He can be made of ice. Yeah, so he's made of ice, but then he also, over time, he's been able to do more and more and more with his power to now it's He's not only not human, he also can do, he also can just, like, psychically exist in a space and then do things with his power. So, even in continuity, a couple years back when they were fighting, when the M-Day thing had happened and there were only a few mutants left, somebody was looking for Destiny's Diaries and there was that big crossover event. And one of the issues was... uh, I think it was during the Blinded by the Light crossover. It might have been right before it. Anyway, the Children of the Vault, like, mind-controlled Northstar and and made him some terrible stuff, and they released him on the X-Men, but his powers were also enhanced. They gave him a fraction of the sun's energy. For a second, over the Earth, the sun went black. For, like, a second, <coughs> they took that amount of energy... And put it into North Star. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, like, talk about, like, just gigajoules of power all of a sudden that North Star had at his disposal. He'd never been faster and stronger in his entire life. So, he comes through, and he he has so much uh, speed and friction that he literally, like, burns out Iceman. And so, for a second, everyone's like, oh, Iceman's dead. Like, <laughs> I man, these toast, brother. Like they're making the call on the on the intercom, and they're like, "Somebody's attacking, and people are in trouble." Colossus is hurt real bad, and Ice Man's dead. He's dead. He's definitely dead. But instead, he pulls himself all the way back together from moisture into the air into a into a crystallized ice version of himself, and then he turns flesh and passes out. And he's like, "Oh, never done that before." And then he just blacks out. Um. It's like, they've already established he can do this. Uh, now, Nimrod apparently burned him out pretty thoroughly. However, not all the way. And so, Romeo kind of collects the psychic energy that's kind of floating around the world of Bobby Drake and pulls it, helps him pull it together. But there's only so long he can be solid right now away from Romeo. Man, his power is crazy. <laughs> It is kind of crazy to think about. Like, it makes sense in a way that, like, yeah, okay. What he really is doing is taking the energy out of molecules and slowing them down, and that's how he's creating ice, and he can manipulate it and do it different stuff. But it, it, it's even weirder to think that, like, he's not a person anymore. Now he's, like, a force almost. Yeah, like, he's just a psychic concept now. Oh man, the mutant, the Omega level mutants are always so freaking terrifying because they're always like high concept, like yeah. super beings. Like if they push their powers far enough, they're not even they're not people anymore. They they definitely. This is something I wish they would deal with more. Like they definitely straddle a line somewhere between, like demigod and person at that point. Right. And and probably no one more than Iceman kind of solidifies that. Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like he's he's the one that's almost the most terrifying because he could exist without being there. Right. And then like in Age of Apocalypse, they were talking about like one time they laid like honor, <coughs> man, all of a sudden. So in uh, Age of Apocalypse, he was one of their modes of transportation because he could break the molecular structure down of the characters. And then reform them from any body of water that he could get to. And it, like, it was draining for them. Like, it took him a day to recover. But he could get them around the world in, in like, short amounts of time. 
And so before they found Blink, Iceman was how they traveled when they were trying to be low-key and not use Magneto's powers in Age of Apocalypse. Well, then there's a scene where they're fighting somebody and he gets blown up and someone was like, oh, no, Bobby. And someone else was like, he'll be fine. He'll reform himself and pull himself back together and then get broken up again and then reform himself and pull himself back together and get broken up again. And then they go, actually, you know what? It kind of is poor Bobby. Yeah. And they were talking about how, like, he's just this infinite cycle because, like, he it's never going to end for him. Yeah, because, like, does he age? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> probably only in the sense that, like, if he thinks he ages, he ages. Like, that's how far, that's how deep it really goes. Like, the mental image of you is so strong that you never age. Yeah, like, if he was just you're like, like, I look like this forever. Yeah, if he stopped thinking of himself as a human and just every time he reformed, thought of himself as 27-year-old Bobby Drake or whatever he's supposed to be, like, yeah, that would just be how it went over and over and over again. Damn, that's really dark. <laughs> it kind of is. Like, he is sort of a scary concept. Here cometh the Iceman. Well, I mean, yeah, he's called the Iceman. He's made of ice. It's like, well, that's not that scary. It's like, you don't understand. Yeah. Control moisture. It's like, wait, hold on. No, wait, wait, it's more than that. Oh, God. Yeah, so, like, he was already doing stuff where he would, like, flash freeze stuff and things of that nature. And could, you know, I mean, he, he was really already pushing the limits of his power. And then, if you remember the last time they did a time travel thing, when the young 5X-Men came down to the present, and were also in this reality... Iceman was starting to toy with creating sentient, sentient kind of like dummy ice creatures, like the Hulkish type things. Like, yeah. there truly is a scary amount of like no limitless to like, what could it he do if he really, really wanted to go there? Right, and just think, his first appearance, he was basically a guy covered in snow who threw yeah. snowballs. Yeah, he literally would cover himself in snow and put on boots. Sit on the ground and put on boots. Yep. And now he's just like, I am the ice. Oh, okay. Cool. Not weird. I am the ice. I am effectively just unconscious that moves through the universe. It's like, what's happening right now? <laughs> are we Are we still... This is weird, right? Am this I Iceman? <laughs> are we all Iceman? <laughs> am I Bobby Drake? Like, where is this a religion thing? Like, I'm not to be rude or anything. Yeah, like, there's no... Uh, really, it just depends on, like, what the writer wants to do to him at that point, I suppose. Iceman is all of us. We we is the Iceman. Um, Alright, so... That's basically the end of the Krakoa era now. So there's, like... Rest, rest in peace Krakoa, I guess. Wolverine, Shadowcat, I think it's Saint and Talon are still running around. Uh, Emma Frost. I'm not sure who else is. So they've been teasing the marriage of Tony Stark and Emma Frost. And I guess that's what this is. Like, they're going to get married now because Orcus is using Stark technology to make these Stark Sentinels. They, like, bought one of the Stark companies. And he's okay with it? Uh, he, he was one... You know, like, in a lot of his different runs, the company's already been taken away from him, so then he just starts a new one kind of a deal. Oh, okay. So there's, like, one of the Stark companies has just been floating around. <laughs> Someone bought it, and then they were like, oh, good, here's some of the Iron Man technology in the, you know in the dark corners of this company. We're going to make Stark Sentinels now. That's good. Yeah. So those, like, at the, by the end of the Hellfire Gala, like, those are parked on the White House lawn while the president and the head of Orcus are kind of going over security stuff, and he's like, I'll protect us, Mr. President. You know, usually when you show up with weapons to the White House, it's never a good sign. Yeah, it's it's interesting how they, how... Like, I want to say that wouldn't happen in real life, but it really would. Oh, like, 100%. Like, military contractor shows up in, like, their super helicopter. They're landing it on the White House. 
Well, more importantly, what I mean is like, okay, so like post January sixth, if January eighth somebody had shown up and been like, we're we're super America, like if they had Captain America, could in real life and showed up on January eighth and was like, yeah, I'm the super soldier from World War Two, but now I'm going to protect you guys. The president would be like, hey, this is great news. You guys hear that? Like, the guy from World War Two mysteriously showed back up and is going to protect us now. This is not going to end bad at all. Right. And more importantly, he shares my values. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff that, like, on its surface, I'm always, I always go, that's not going to, what, that would never, and then I started thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that would 100% happen, like, day three. Like, at least four. Like, <laughs> if the Avengers were a real thing, they definitely at this point would already be like, the president would be like, you know, the Avengers are pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Like, there's no way they wouldn't. Yeah. My friend, the Avengers, and someone's like, you know, this is going to turn on us. Like, when does this ever what? not turn on us? What are you talking about? They're literally called the Dark Avengers, sir. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> Sir, you hired four supervillains to pose as the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, nothing bad's going to happen. Okay, all right. As long mm-hmm. as we pay them, they're going to do exactly what I want. Yeah, that's that's how villains work. There it is. It's like, you know two of them are like millionaires, right? Like, they don't need money about this. Never blinked. None of them ever blinked. They were just like, yeah, do it. Sign them up. Yeah, I... <laughs> So that's Krakoa now. It's over. It's awful. It's it's real, real bad. Rest in peace, mutants, for the ninth time, I guess. Can't catch a break. So we got two things here. We got the NFL, and we got I got angry and deleted something from my phone. All right. We'll, we'll leave the rant for last. So let's go to the NFL. I'm so excited, man. I'm so excited. This, today... Well, yesterday, Thursday. Thursday marks the kickoff of like the 2000th NFL season or whatever it is. I'm pumped. Super pumped. Um, some of the some of our most fun times typically are NFL season because there's a lot going on and I get to like I love watching football. I think football I don't care that it keeps changing. I don't care that they everyone's like, "Oh, this isn't football. I can't watch." Ugh. None of it bothers me. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I love the drama of it. I love how no matter what they do, no matter what they change, it always comes down to a field goal with seven seconds left. Um, I love that you can tell the difference between the good coaches and the bad coaches almost immediately. Uh, football is just one of the, the NFL is one of those things that is just so fun to watch. Uh, and technically, it is one of the, it's probably the sport. With the longest window when everyone's quote unquote competing for the Super Bowl, like week one, there are some teams that I mentally eliminate, but mathematically and and, and potentially they're not out of it. Like, no, and if and if last season is anything to go by, we really don't know <laughs> for sure. And injuries kind of well, see, we know what's funny about that is it still wound up being the Chiefs who won. You know, like, so as these yeah. were happening, everybody was like, hey, who's going to win? And what's going on? And what's this? And what's that? It winds up being the team that we think is going to win anyway because they're so consistent and so good. Um, right. But there was a hot minute where they, they were very much capable of losing. And also, the entire season lead up to that was just crazy. Like, teams that everyone was expecting to be good weren't. Teams that no one expected to be good were. Right. No, for sure. And I would like to think that my massive football brain was on well display, was displayed very well last season as we would talk about stuff like Denver not being a good team and things like that. Um, There's just a lot of – I – so, like, in the NBA, you don't even have to start the season. and You already know there's only, like, five teams that are going to win the title. With with football, it's just different. The way things happen – you don't ever really, really know. You could you can make a guess, and the odds are your your guess would be one of the two teams in it. But even that, if you say that out loud, like that that can't possibly be true because we're not all going to guess the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Right. So in that regard, there's just kind of this. I I'm 
I love the NFL season. I'm just so pumped for it. But there is an interesting <coughs> man. All of a sudden, there is an interesting little subplot going on that is worth talking about, and uh, I think it's a little concerning because I think it pairs with the quarterback situation. So you and I have talked about on this show how quarterback salaries keep going and going and going. Yeah, they, they keep breaking. They keep breaking records, getting longer, getting more expensive. Well, that's on purpose, right? Like every every agent wants to make more than the last guy. That's just kind of by design. Since we've talked about it last, Justin Herbert, the quarterback for the Chargers, he went ahead and signed his extension. Uh, that made him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Uh, five years, basically averaging fifty million dollars a year, plus other stuff. So it'll be like on that final year. I think it's like a seventy, eighty million dollar hit. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Coming to the Jets, the way his contract had been built after the trade, when he first got there, if he didn't do anything before the season started, this coming season, not the one we were in, but the one behind it, he was going to have like a $100 million cap hit because there was a bunch of back due stuff and other things that had to get cleared up in that last year unless they did stuff and added things. Now, he has since restructured and changed it and moved it into, like, basically a five-year deal. On that one, there's two different spots. It's either in year three, if he's not playing, it's a $60 million hit against the Jets. In year five, if he finishes the deal, it's a $30 million hit against the Jets. Either one of those is worth it if Aaron Rodgers is any good. Um... <laughs> We're still waiting to see what the what the Bengals do with Joe Burrow. They're going to give him his money, but they haven't. He wasn't even going to start looking at it until after Herbert signed his. Now that Herbert has signed his, now Joe Burrow will sign his extension, and it will be bigger than Justin Herbert's. Um, that's that's going to be what keeps happening. We keep saying they're going to create a designate tag of some kind, where they're going to every team can just designate one player every year, or their numbers don't count against the caps that year. Um, and most teams will probably use it on quarterback. The other side of the equation, there's one position that keeps getting more and more and more devalued as far as signings and money goes, but is still massively important on the field, and that is running back. This year, in the offseason, Saquon Barkley, who last year was Roughly 29% of the Giants' offense. Just one guy. And he's not a quarterback. He's the running back. All they offered him was the franchise tag of $10 million. And they didn't talk to him again after that. They said, take it or leave it. That's not really true. They did go back and forth upon a bunch of stuff. But the Giants weren't moving from that math. Saquon Barkley wanted somewhere in the, between 16 and $18 million a year. And the Giants were like, that is not going to happen. So he basically, at the end of it, he showed up right at the start of training camp. He asked, "What? how much money can you actually really give me on top of this uh, franchise tag? They gave him $900,000 extra. That's it. They didn't even give him an extra million dollars. So he got a $900,000 signing bonus, and he signed the franchise tag, and he's playing this year under that. Meanwhile, there's about five really good running backs that are just out in free agency right now. Ezekiel Elliott hasn't signed with the team. Uh, Kareem Hunt hasn't signed with the team. There are guys who are major contributors to to other teams, and they're not getting contract offers. They're not even like – with Kareem Hunt, the the Browns didn't even make him an offer. The contract ended, the year was up, and he was gone. Uh, Joe Mixon, who is only in his – still his rookie deal – was I think he's in year four though, was supposed to come into this year with like an eight or nine million dollar cap hit. The Bengals weren't sure they even wanted to bring him back at that number. So he had to go to them and basically redo the last year of his rookie contract and go from eight or nine million to four point eight million plus over two million dollars in incentives. Uh, so there's just a lot of all of a sudden running backs who are massive. They no longer get taken in the first round. Uh, the, there's 
there's been three taken in the last probably like five or six drafts in the first round, and only one of them really kind of worked out with their team. Well, we don't act, we don't even know if that's true. But John Robinson went to the Falcons the first round this this year's draft. Before that, you go Todd Gurley like three years ago, four years ago maybe, and that was a huge mistake. And then you go Leonard Fournette after that, and that didn't work out. Leonard Fournette won a Super Bowl for Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay actually just cut him also. I mean, but, I, I think that I think that the the what I would like to coin is running back math. Where, you know, what do they say? It's like the most it's like the most turned over position because like running backs only ever last like two and a half years or something like that. Yeah, basically if you're if you're that guy so like there's all these guys who you have to go all the way back to like Adrian Peterson to find a, a running back taken in the first round that wound up being worth it. Because a lot of times what happens is the teams run you for two or three years hard and then your body just can't take it anymore. After three years of, you know, uh, 1,200 yards, 1,100 yards each year, that's it. Like, that's all your body can handle. And then and you're just – you're no longer the guy anymore. You're talking about, you know, it's like 300 carries a year or something like that, and it's crazy. So, it, it, despite being such an impactful member of the team, like – the physicality of it is what is downside. Like, you can play quarterback for 20 years. You yeah, cannot be a running good back at it, for more than five. Forever. Yeah, exactly. And if you're a running back, there's no counter to that. Like, if you're a good running back, you're a good running back for like an hour. And so, like, yeah, there's like nine guys who last year were important parts of their team, top-level guys, and they're free agents right now, just floating. No, not on any team at all. It's crazy. Uh, and some of it is that their production has gone down, but some of it is also just the teams no longer want to do it. Because there's so many – there's just think, another running back right behind who's going to run great for two years, and then – like by the time the rookie deal expires, it's almost like why, why would I give you any more time or money? Rookie, Rookie's only running back, basically. Well, I mean, the last time a guy got an extension was Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley and the Rams were like, the Rams were like, no, if we take care of our guy, he'll, he'll turn out. And they did give him like a three-year extension after like year two or year three. And it was a lot of money that they wound up having to eat because he developed arthritis in his knee, which the other guys don't even have. Like the other guys don't even have that issue. But he developed arthritis in his knee and all of a sudden, like he didn't even finish what was technically his rookie term. And so then the Rams kind of looked, they looked kind of dumb for that. And also other teams then use that as their, like, look, the Rams who are great masters of the roster tried to outsmart the running backs problem. And they, they found themselves in the same boat everyone else does. So obviously everyone should stop paying running backs is basically what the league took from it. And is that even the wrong decision? Cause it doesn't sound like it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Everyone's a little bit different. It's like Dalvin Cook, the Vikings guy. I probably would have kept him one more year. Kareem Hunt, I probably would have kept one more year. But the problem with – so Kareem Hunt's numbers are down. But they also, the Browns, by the middle of the year, they weren't anything anyway. So, like, you couldn't – teams weren't going to let you run because you were already so bad. They were just going to stack the box and make you throw. So, like, Nick Chubb's numbers were down too. But by the way, Nick Chubb probably won't get an extension next year when it's his turn. So it's not – it's a common – like, on paper, you could see Kareem Hunt's numbers never go back up. And therefore, someone would be like, yeah, obviously. But there are also tons of running backs who managed to make it 10 years in the league. Uh, Westbrook is is one that I think of all the time. Who – guys who knew how to use him as a receiving running back he was on he was on several iterations of the Eagles and then kind of bounced around the league for the last kind of three or four years. Adrian Peterson, although he's physically different, and I and I there's no two ways around it. He just is physically different. He ran for a thousand yards even after he was 30. And they talked about how like how old there's obviously something we're doing differently. Like Emmett Smith ran forever. 
Um, there's just, I, I think they're over using them in the beginning. And then it's sort of the franchise's fault that they don't have anything physically left after that. Yeah, because basically, so you're saying that like it's not it's not necessarily their fault that they're getting run into the ground. It's these organizations that are running them into the ground, and then just not paying them and giving them an opportunity to 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 kind of evolve and continue their careers. Yeah, like okay, running quarterbacks don't say running quarterbacks, but if they do, they come out of the league, right? Like. The quarterbacks who never learn how to throw accurately in game, they don't make it. Like, great, he ran, you know, Vince Young is a great example. Vince Young, his first three years in the league is just kind of unstoppable force. His fourth year is kind of wobbly, and by the time Tennessee starts really struggling, you know, he's not learning how to be an accurate quarterback. He can't even cut it as a backup in Green Bay, and then that's it. He's done in the league. Um, and it's And it's because he never – learned how to develop the other tools well okay yeah you're right like is Ezekiel Elliott going to be a power back for the next 10 years no but could he learn another skill or develop another tool in his game probably like now he's starting to understand how defenses play now he's got a couple years experience on the field and can kind of have a feel of how the game is going and, and understand things a little bit better all the players talk about how by year three what they know and understand in the game is massively different than from year one. So yeah, your body at that point is starting to change and, and, and deal with the wear and tear and the running backs more so than anyone else, probably. However, that doesn't mean they couldn't develop and learn new skills, but the teams have zero interest in, in, in learning if they're in seeing if that's going to happen for these guys, because there's another, there's another 22 year old ready to be drafted who maybe already has that skill or is closer to having that skill than your guy is. Right. Or he does the same thing that the last guy was doing, but he's two years, but he's, he's three years younger (laughs) and, and more affordable because the other thing is as you clock time in the NFL, you accrue years of interest and then you're, you're worth more money. The, the, the league minimum is based on years of service. So for the running backs, that's a detriment. For everyone else, it's perfectly fine. Like, the team is totally fine paying an offensive lineman who's been in the league nine years, whatever his minimum his minimum salary is. But a running back, they would blink. They would go, oh, hang on, let's just get a guy off the street, a rookie from this year. And they'll go get an undrafted rookie and give him the roster spot instead of a guy who's been in the league seven years. Right, just because he's so much cheaper. So much cheaper and also just – fresh legs right and that is i mean really that's kind of the mental math of it which is unfortunate but it is what it is and i i'm intrigued how the nfl handles it because the running backs are such an important part of like the pr of the league but clearly they're not an important part of the future of the league so i have to wonder how much longer does it go this way before like the the union does something for the running backs. Yeah, you really got to think about it because they don't even like if you're only in the league for, you know, three, two, three years, you aren't even qualified for the pension. No, the pension, I think at this point, is four and a half years in the league. You have to have four full seasons, I believe, in the league to qualify for the pension now. And yeah, you, you're. You're not there if you're two or three years in. So, like, you got to really struggle to finish your rookie deal to even get to the retirement stuff, the lifetime medical benefits and all that. Like, it's crazy what the what happens to the running backs. It's a wonder how that's going to develop in the future. Uh, I got to think my thought is probably one of two ways. Either the union just acknowledges that it's different to be a running back and suddenly there's a running back, like, waiver to some of the requirements. Like, okay, yeah, six years in the league for everyone else, but if you're running back three years in the league and you qualify for everything, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Or they just really start behind the scenes hammering teams who are, like, not re-signing the leading rusher. And, you know what I mean? Like, 
Remember how there was a huge stink about not resigning Colin Kaepernick for a couple of years, where it was kind of obvious some of the quarterbacks that were getting shots, you were like, this guy's better than Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, I remember that being the conversation about like every single quarterback they signed. Every quarterback signed everywhere, every backup quarterback that was getting a start because of injury. And I think one year the Raiders went through like four quarterbacks kind of in that window one season. And people were like, this guy can't, like, Colin Kaepernick can't get a walk-on versus this guy? <laughs> and I think with the running backs, it's going to be a very similar boat where as, like, a undrafted rookie comes onto the field, someone's going to be like, well, it's just weird that Kareem Hunt, who has, you know, 6,000 career yards and, and 3,000 receiving yards and was, you know, 18% of the Browns' offense over three years, it's weird that he's sitting – but this guy who played for two years at BYU can get signed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, I think something like that you're going to start seeing a lot more where you're like, well, no one's called Ezekiel Elliott yet. Like, you have to wonder about that. You know, yeah. I, I, I think that maybe kind of that public shaming maybe maybe changes how some teams do it. Probably not a lot of teams, but how some teams do it. Well, I mean, and, and also, but it's, but it's so true. Like, when you when you have a single person who's that impactful, it's like – can we really just be like, all right, new guy off the bench, you got this, right? Well, yeah, and it shows right away, too. So there are some teams that just, the second the running back changes, they fall off the face of the earth. Like, oh, the quarterback was only a, you know, a B-, minus. the offensive line was only okay, but the old running back really played his guts out, and the new guy just doesn't have the skills to do that. Right. And, and also, like, but when we talk about when you talk about football offenses, like having tools makes you better than not having them. Absolutely. And I think that's sort of the interesting thing is that a lot of these teams are just like, yeah, we won't bother. <laughs> like, we don't need a we don't need a good running back. We'll just get a new guy. It's like, <laughs> great. You've just you've just neutered your offense by cutting out like a third of your possible options. <laughs> right. And so, like, when Leonard Fournette came to Tampa Bay. The reason that that happened is because Tom Brady was like, no, we got to make sure we have a running game that the teams respect. And Tampa Bay was like, all right, well, let's go get a good running back. And so they went and they got a, a good young running back that Jacksonville just cut because Jacksonville had ruined their relationship with him. Um, okay, I'll give you another example. Right now, Jonathan Taylor <coughs> of the Colts. Now, as a Texans fan, it's great that the Colts are screwing this up. But Jonathan Taylor two years ago, was the best running back in football. Last year, he struggled. He had dealt with some injuries. He couldn't get healthy. And I think they were I think they were playing him a game too early over and over again. Like, he kept starting to get healthy, but then they would put him in. And then, he like, I think he needed more time off. But I think he wanted to go, and I think they needed him to go. The head coach winds up getting fired. So, obviously, there was poor decision-making involved. But now, they're not even talking to him about extension. They won't even acknowledge that he's eligible for one. So he asked to be traded, and the team made that known publicly. The team let it be known publicly that Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be a Colt because they thought the fans would turn on him. And instead, the fans are like, well, you better make this right, dude. You've run off some talent. Like, you're the reason Andrew Luck's not here. Uh, really, you kind of screwed over Peyton Manning a little bit. Like, there's too much going on where you, you've messed up that now you're going to run off the best running back that we've got, like our best offensive weapon. Like, you better not. And it's funny to see when teams think that they're so right and then everyone immediately proves them wrong. It's interesting because teams have a really weird view on, like, there's sort of this element of, like, well, yeah, but we're the Colts, to which everyone else is like, yeah, we, we know and it really gives us agita. Like, you bother us, you know? Like, you're, it's not a compliment when we say you're the Colts and they're like, oh, we always, we thought it was a good thing. No, we thought you guys liked us. Yeah, barely. The answer was barely, and it was mostly because of Jonathan Taylor. So get him back. And like, now listen, as a Texans fan, make him angry. I hope he sits out the whole season. As of right now, they have him on the pup list. They say he hurt his back in a non-football injury. He says he's a hundred percent healthy. This is how messed up the Colts are with Jonathan Taylor right now. Just lying on the reports. It's fine. Like, he walked in, like, how you feeling? He's like, oh, I'm good, man. It's kind of stretchy weird. They're like, yeah, you hurt your back. And he's like, what? Like, I can't believe you hurt your back. In the non-football, you can't believe it. 
Is so there's a. I mean, he, just, he was just talking about how he slept weird. Yeah, he's like, oh man, I got a crick in my neck, and they're like, yeah, you're not starting. Uh, so yeah, there's just a lot that happens. So we got five weeks of preseason, then we get into the season, and I love the football season. I'm I'm intrigued because there's always a team that just falls off the rails almost immediately, and you're like, why aren't they putting it together? Peyton Manning's documentary on Netflix, Quarterbacks, really was intriguing. He followed Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes, and Marcus Mariota through the season. I thought Marcus Mariota did not come across very well, but I thought Kirk Cousins really changed hearts and minds, I think. I was really kind of impressed by him and by what he does. There's some unique stuff that he does. Um, and I hope quarterbacks side up for it this offseason, too. Also, Hard Knocks is going to be starting with the Jets. Starts next week. Uh, I mean, I just, just, yeah, man, I'm pumped. Um, so one thing real quick I want to say, because we are starting to run out of time here. I uh, watched the rest of The Witcher. Uh, it's awful. This is a terrible season of the show. Truly a tragedy. It's a complete waste of Henry Cavill. And I, I think this is his last season, right? Or is there yep. one more and then he's done? Uh, I think that, I think this is his last. I thought this was the last one. Well, this is only his third. Is does he? I thought he agreed to do four, but I might be wrong about that. I don't know. Either way, it's it's not. It's a total waste. I feel like they do this every year, where every year, like the big finish of a season is a big dramatic like reveal of the new status quo. And it's but like. So much of this season could have been done in like the first two or three episodes. It just started to waste it, I guess. I think the reason Henry Cavill left the show is just that it sucked. <laughs> They're like, "You want to keep doing this?" And he's like, "No, I'm good. This, this is this is garbage." Like it just it really it really isn't good. I don't. It, I, I don't All know. Right. We're at, we're out of time, Corey. What app did you delete? You're in in a rage before you we leave. You ready? Magic the Gathering. Oh, he finally did it. He finally quit Magic. I I, I realized that like they're never gonna fix the mana thing. Like they're never. He, I, he, went on, I went on a twelve he, game run where the mana was wrong twelve games in a row, one way or the other, and I realized I was like, they're just never gonna fix this. It's okay. He never added the one more mana. He never made it. I mean, I hate it when you never change. I'm going to push you into traffic the next time you say that to a person. But I, it genuinely, it really just drives me crazy that, like, because it goes both. Like, some games, like, one time I, I literally, when I did the shuffle, it gave me six mana and one card. I mulliganed, and it did the same thing over and over and over again for three mulligans in a row. Six mana, one card, three times in a row. What am I supposed to do with that? What, do I, what, what? I'm ready. Like, so I don't like Magic the Gathering, so I play everything else. I man, it just—I really enjoy playing it on the app. If they ever fix the 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 shuffling so that the mana correctly integrates, I will play it gladly. But like, yeah, man, until they get the mana thing fixed, I just can't do it. Like, I was. I, I mean, 12, I, it was, I was counting. It was literally 12 games in a row, and it was both ways. Like, then another time, I had two mana in my starting hand and five cards, and I was like, well, hopefully I'll get a mana in the first couple of cards. But at the back of my head, I already knew that, like, no, it's not going <laughs> to. And I went. You're like, that's not going to happen. I got the third mana on the seventh turn, which is the turn I lost on. Yep, that sounds about right. Like, I was so mad that I kept playing instead of just resigning. Because I was like, no, I'm going to see when they give me the third mana. So, like, I'm literally tossing cards out that would be great to have and play. But I only I only have two mana. So, nothing is – nothing, like – I keep throwing out one ones that get murdered every turn. Oh, truly a travesty. And I was like, this is just making me angry. Seventh, <laughs> seventh card. So, I mean, you're literally seven rounds of just, oh, here's more stuff you can't do. Yep. That's why, why land is a bad, uh, bad resource mechanic. So I, uh, yeah, I deleted uh, Magic the Gathering, and I've never felt better about it. It's been gone for like two weeks now. Wow, 
That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. That's how bad, that's how angry I was at these these mother effing snakes on this mother effing plane. And I was like, no, no more, no more. So that's what I did. I deleted them. Good for you. I'm yeah. glad you did it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We've had a extra long show. We've been hanging out. It's been a great episode of Nerd Thug Radio. Have a great weekend. Come hang out with us all weekend. I'll be at, I'll be at the Adventure Begins Comics Games and more. Go to Whatnot. Check out the Adventure. We do all kinds of really cheap stuff on there. But also, this weekend's a massive sale. $100 off any signed memorabilia in the store with worth over $500 or more. All kinds of crazy stuff happening. Come visit us at the Adventure Begins Comics Games and more. Nico, have a great weekend. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. 